Alrighty, good morning everyone. Can I get a big, massive yeah from all of you? This is amazing. <laughs> Can you believe it? Our first in-person gathering for the year 2021. And can I just say this and be honest for a moment? I'm just delighted to know that there is still a church left on the other side of the screen. Because you just don't know. <laughs> you do have contact with some people, but some you just don't know. So these Fanyala, I'm very glad to see that you are still around. Praise Jesus for that. And what a spectacular day to gather in. Um, Good Friday. I mean, we, we didn't know on Sunday. You guys saw, saw my face on Sunday morning telling you guys we had plans, but we're not sure. And then I felt like David on, a, on Wednesday when we made a decision when he said, I was glad when they said, let's go up to the house of the Lord. Uh, Helena was laughing at my very upbeat video to let you guys know that we're going to gather with the music and everything. So thank you for making the effort to be here. The Lord has set up this place for us for this morning. And I know we're going to have a great time of being in His presence. Even the cloud cover to keep the sun out of your eyes for the next hour as we gather. Isn't that amazing? Perfect weather just a special day in so many ways. So I want to thank you for being here and just give yourself a cheer for making the effort to be with us this morning. This is awesome. I am grateful that, that some people are away this weekend. Otherwise, we would have broken the boundaries here on how many people can gather. So it's all a good thing. But I am so aware this morning that we actually have quite a lot of people who's physically with us for the first time ever. You might have been joining over the online season. Some people moved here recently. If this is your first time with Every Nation Sums, where it's physically in person, can you put up your hand? Because we would really want to welcome you. Can we just say, that's awesome. Welcome. This is great. Our prayer is that as you gather with us this morning and beyond this morning, that you would find family. And if it's here with us, praise Jesus for that. And ask the worship team to come up. We've simplified things for this morning. There's no grand production. Um, that's what Good Friday is about. It's the simple message of Jesus. It's just that. And you know what? It's more than enough. We don't need anything more than the simple message of Jesus this morning. So we've got a small team that's going to lead us in a few songs, familiar songs. We have some lyrics. If the songs are unfamiliar to you, I hope that you can see. But really for the next few minutes as the band gets ready and Michelle comes and join me to just encourage us in worship. Let's, let's quiet down for a moment and really start putting our focus right where it should be. It's amazing driving into this venue, seeing the mountain, a lovely place like this, seeing one another. But if you think about it, none of this would even be possible. None of this would even exist. And this moment wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for the person of Jesus. Amen. And that's the reason why we are here. So Lord, we just say, Christ, our only reason for getting together this morning is you and you alone. You are the good in this Friday. And we just thank you for that this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, just as I encourage you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to do something for me. This, the Lord has a divine appointment with each and every one of us. And I'm going to ask you as I pray. So if you can just all close your eyes. You can just close your eyes. And I want to ask you to put your hands out in front of you, whether it's just on the table <clears throat> or, you know, on your lap. But it, and I want you to open your hands. And it's, a, it's symbolic of saying, Father, I receive. So won't you just open up your hands and position yourself to receive from Him. So, Father, we, as we sit, Lord, and if you want to stand in worship, you feel free to worship however you want to worship. But 
with your arms just open, Lord, we receive. Father, we thank you for who you are. I want to thank you, Lord, for your tangible presence in this place. Father, I want to thank you that it is finished. The veil has been torn and something that the Lord impressed on our hearts as we were praying this morning is that in the natural, the veil was torn, but in the spirit, the veil has been torn and we have free access to be in his presence. And he wants to come and meet with us face to face this morning. So as we worship, I want you to fix your gaze and your eyes on him. Nothing, nothing else will matter. Nothing else will matter because it is finished. So Father, we give you this time. Spirit of God, won't you come? Won't you come and touch our hearts? Won't you come and minister to us? We love you, Jesus. I, I see him drawing us in, drawing us in, wooing us into his presence. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. While Jesus was hanging on the cross, there's a lot of things that took place. The most profound moment is, Jesus said, it is finished. And he breathed his last breath. His last breath in human likeness gave us our first breath in Christ likeness. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? His last breath in human likeness gave us our first breath to breathe in the Spirit to become new. So can we just sing that chorus a couple of times more with that in mind? That because of Christ's last breath, we can now breathe in Christ-likeness, the Spirit, the old is gone and the new has come. Can we just sing this with that in mind? Not our physical breath, but the breath we have and that we are now made alive in Christ because He blew out His last breath. Let's just think about that and sing the song with that in mind one more time. I want you to close your eyes for a moment and just listen to these words. It is finished. You don't have to strive. You don't have to try to be with Him, to get near to God. Jesus has done that. It is finished. It is fulfilled. The cross is the final word. The work is done. Shalom has come. Shalom is the Hebrew word for peace, but it's not just peace. It's a perfect peace where nothing is broken. And Jesus said, if you come to me, everything that is broken will be made whole. He was broken for us so that our brokenness could be made whole. And the scripture teaches that the Lord is near the brokenhearted. And this morning, he is near to us. He is near to you. He is near today. If it feels like the past season has been heavy breathing for you, Christ's breath is available. It's His breath that you can breathe in because the exchange has happened. It's not anything you do. It's all because of what He has done. Jesus, thank you that you are here. And as we open up your word this morning, may it just be so clear to us.
May any obstacle in the way be cleared. And may your word be received in fertile ground this morning. We ask for that in Jesus' name. We all say, Amen. You guys can take your seats. Children, it's great to have you with us in the service. Um, we gave you some fun things to do, but I also have a little task for you. Throughout this morning, I'm going to be speaking about a whole lot of characters. And mom and dad is going to ask you on the way home, how many characters can you remember? Okay, so you better listen and, and see if you can remember all the characters that I'm going to speak around. All right, challenge accepted, kids. Is that good? You're going to try. Emabel, can you amal on Awesome. I want you to think about your last walk or your last steps. If you had to think about the last moment or journey that you would want to take in this life, how do you imagine that to be? Just think about that for a moment. You might want to walk into the arms of a loved one. You might want to go for a walk on the beach <laughs> one more time. Hear the ocean, smell the air. You might want to walk up to someone that there's a conversation that's been due and you've been putting it off. You might want to walk down your neighborhood once more, the familiar roads of where you live and the place that you loved and the place that have loved you back. You actually might want to walk into a church building to devote yourself one more time to the one that's due all our devotion. What would your last walk be like? Now, I'm sure if I had to ask you, no one has thought about that, right? <laughs> it's amazing in life how we think about the good walks in life, the things that we consider of value, like a baby's first steps. Come on, how we anticipate that. Aaron is going to walk one of these days, and Andre can't wait. The man who is maybe he can wait a little bit longer, because then there's three very busy manikis that's going to loop. But you know how we anticipate that, that first walk, the first steps? And then we anticipate the walk into, into going to school. And then we anticipate the walk out of school into adulthood and the walk into a career or work or studies. And we anticipate the walk down the aisle to get married and betrothed to someone. Or we anticipate the step onto an airplane to go visit far off lands. Anyone want to anticipate that right now? Sheesh, because this will be travel. But you see how we think about other walks in life and we think about it and we, we anticipate it. Yet we hardly ever stop to ask, how do we want to walk out of this life? You know that there's someone who did think about that, and his name is Jesus. He was very intentional about how he wanted to leave this world. And this morning, we're going to go on a journey from Gethsemane to Golgotha to walk with Jesus and find the characters in the story, because just as Jesus is, he never walks alone. Wherever Jesus walked, there's some people around him. So we're going to go through the story and see how he willingly, willingly, with you in mind, intended to walk in a certain way. And that way was into pain, into rejection, into mockery, into suffering. To walk into deceit, Jesus willingly walked into death 
And Jesus willingly walked into darkness so that we don't have to. So this morning, we're going to literally open up the gospel of John and we're going to walk with Jesus and find the characters in the story. And we're going to see how those characters can so relate to our own walks at the moment. So the story is this. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's just prayed a beautiful prayer for his disciples and everyone that's still going to believe in him. And he says, Father, I want to glorify you. And then we also know in the other gospels that he prayed another prayer. He said, Lord, if it is your will, let this cup pass me. Saying, Lord, if there's any other way that I don't have to go to the cross. But then Jesus said something deeply profound. He says, Father, if you are willing, knowing that the Father could, he said, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but your will be done. There it is. Willingly, Jesus gave up his will because there was no other way. The Father wanted us, his children, back. And because of sin and brokenness and evil that has come into the world, the only way back to the Father is for someone to pay the price of death. And Jesus said, Father, because your will is to be restored to humankind, I'll walk this road. If you need me to. Isaiah 53. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. Not just crush him for crushing's sake, but to crush him because his soul will make an offering for guilt and his offspring will be for the Lord and everything will prosper in his hand. It will have to be Jesus, the perfect one, without any faults to go before us to the cross. And he prays this prayer and he's already tired and he's in anguish. Anguish to the point where his sweat is turned to blood. Have you ever had such suffering and pain that your sweat has turned red? And he's in that anguish and the Lord sends an angel. And an angel from heaven appeared to Jesus to strengthen him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. He just kept praying, kept speaking to the Father. And then his walk begins. All of a sudden, he's done praying. He goes to his disciples, which you believe some of them are falling asleep. They couldn't be awake for a little while while Jesus prayed. But he goes to them, and the next moment, in an instant, there's a whole lot of characters that step into the scene. The first one is Judas. Judas, who used to be a follower of Jesus, who has now gone and got a band of soldiers to come and captivate Jesus. It says here in John 18, so Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers and the chief priests and the Pharisees, he's coming with a whole army. He brings them to Jesus. He says, there's the man. And then the Bible says, Judas was the one who betrayed him, standing with them. So he steps into the scene. There's Jesus and his disciples. He comes, and I believe there was a moment for Judas to make a decision again. But the Bible says, he stood with the Pharisees and the soldiers who came to arrest Jesus. Judas decided to choose the God of money above Jesus Christ. He decided to deny Jesus and get something that is more leering and more fulfilling. So that's our first character. And then the second character is a group of the soldiers 
And this is an amazing moment because the soldiers come in and then Jesus is the first to speak. And he says here, who do you seek? And the soldiers say to him, we're seeking Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered him and he said something deeply important. He said, I am he. I am he. Echoing the name of Yahweh, the God of all people, saying, I am. And then it says something profound that when they heard him say, I am he, the soldiers, out of fear and reverence, fell back to the ground because they recognized that Jesus was there, that God was in their midst. It is impossible when Christ is in our midst not to recognize that he is there. He was in their midst and they realized that it's him. I am. God is in their midst. The soldiers, however, were serving another master. And I believe they had a moment to choose between two masters. Will it be Jesus or the earthly master? And they chose the latter. Then we read through the story and the story continues. They captivate him. They take him to the high priest's house. And then one of Jesus' disciples, O Pietrus, <laughs> Shane, this guy gets a bad rap through the story so many times. But God chose the fallible things in this world to proclaim his glory. Isn't that amazing? But there's Peter, and Jesus is taken into the high priest's house, and he stands outside the door. But one of the other disciples go in because they're not afraid. But Peter is outside the door. And, and then a little slave girl comes up to Peter and says, Hey, but wait a minute. Are you not one of his disciples? And because he was afraid... He said, no, 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 I don't know him. And then later on in the story, it happens a second time. And then we know there's a third time that Peter said, I don't know him. See, Peter chose the fear of man above Jesus. Isn't that what we do sometimes? We're too scared to show the world, to tell the world that we have Christ. We come here to Lawrenceford like it's just at home. Don't anyone see me? Because I usually just come here for coffee and wine. But now it's weird. There's church. Guys, this is what this is all about. Christ Jesus has come. Can we just shout Jesus once into these mountains? One, two, three. Jesus! Can we be that bold and just get up and say, yes, I follow him. But he chose the fear of man. Over Christ. Let that not be in us in any way. Let us be disciples of Christ who go in with him into the house and stand right next to him. Doesn't matter what's about to come. So that's our third character in the story. Sure, Lord, hold me back. I'm feeling this morning. You've got something for us. Then this one boggles me. Jesus is in the house with the high priest and all these Pharisees. And the high priest was an appointed duty from God. And the responsibility of the high priest was to connect the people of God with God. But the high priest was so blinded by his religion that he couldn't recognize Jesus in his midst. I think there might have been moments of recognition, but the religious in him just pushed it down. Tradition taught me something else. That's not the way to do it. This cannot be true. 
This cannot happen. And I can imagine how heartbroken Jesus must have been. Because remember, the Bible teaches from this moment that Christ is now our high priest. So the high priest is actually standing in the presence of the high priest, Jesus Christ. But he doesn't see it. And then he just says, who the heck do you think you are? There's a whole long conversation that I don't have time to read. But I'm going to just read a few things about the high priest questioning Jesus. He questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered him, I've spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple. I've done what you wanted me to do religiously, high priest. Where all the Jews come together, I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard from me what I said to them. They know what I said. When he said these things, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand. So this high priest had his whole posse around him. And the moment Jesus said this and challenged the high priest, he's just like, who the heck are you? And he just slapped Jesus through the face. There was just no desire to, to get to know God, to be open to God. And that's the story of the high priest. And the, eventually after the conversation, he just says, take him to the emperor. Because like, the emperor is the one who has to send Christ to death, we cannot do it, and we'll get to, to Pilate in a moment, but, or the governor. But I can imagine how heartbroken Jesus must have been in that moment, thinking you were the one who were meant to point to me, and now you're the one who's pointing me away. You see, the high priest chose religious duty over Jesus. What's religious duty? It's when we just go through the motions without truly giving him the thoughts that we ought to. Just going through the motions, and they missed that Christ were in their midst. Then the high priest didn't deal with him, so he sends him off to Pilate, the governor's headquarters, and uh, the Jews are too afraid to go in, because now if they do go in there, they'll be, according to scriptures, it's the Passover, so they'll be defiled because they're in, in a Roman man's place, but Jesus, he can be the fault, so we'll send him in. And then Pilate was just, he was perplexed. He says, what accusation do you have against this man? What evil has he done? Because from, from, from a moral standpoint, there was nothing to judge Jesus on. There's nothing he's done morally wrong that the governor could say, yeah, you know what? He did beat up someone, or he did steal, or he did do that. There was nothing in that for Jesus. So Pilate was perplexed, and and then he was perplexed that the Jews would bring this guy because he's a Jew and he's part of them and said, we want you to kill him. So Pilate entered his headquarters and he called Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, do you say this of your own accord or did others say that about me? Pilate answered, am I a Jew? <laughs> Jesus answered, uh, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priest have delivered you over to me. What have you done? He's trying to figure out if Jesus is guilty. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. Can I just say that again? Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. It will never be. His kingdom came to this world, but it's not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have not let me be arrested. He's saying, listen, governor, my kingdom is not of this world. And in fact, Jesus didn't put up a Barney to try and get out of the arrest, Peter did. 
He came in and he sliced off the, the soldier's ear and then Jesus put the soldier's ear back. The one who came and arrest him was forgiven in a moment by just the touch of healing from Jesus. It's amazing how quickly people change. The one moment Peter is cutting off people's ears for Jesus and a few moments later he says, no, I don't know him. Isn't that how the human nature sometimes is? One day like this, one day like that. So this pilot is perplexed and he says, why do they want to give you up? And Jesus said, listen, if my kingdom was from this world, my people would have fought to get me set free, but it's not. And I witness to the truth and everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And the story continued. Pilate then says, okay, let's beat him up. And they, they flogged Jesus and they beat him a few times. But Pilate was having this internal battle because inside of him, he knew that he was completely guiltless. There was nothing guilty to be found in Christ according to the moral standards of the day. And then I love this section where it says that Pilate, at one point, I'm trying to find it here, I'm, I'm all over the, the what's name. At one point, Pilate said he was really deeply disturbed that the Jews wanted to crucify Christ. And that's when he stepped away. And he washed his hands. What was happening is Pilate was in this, this battle. He's looking at Jesus and thinking, I cannot judge him according to my law because there's nothing he's done wrong. But on the outside, there's a mob. There's a whole group of people shouting, crucify him, crucify him. And then Pilate had a decision to make. His decision was, am I going to choose Christ? Or will I choose the social pressures of this world? And that's what he chose. Isn't that sometimes our story? When we hear people speak against Christ, against the church, against the gospel, that we feel that pressure to not stand up and say, you know what? That's not true. Jesus is the only truth. That was the battle he had to fight. Now, all of these things needed to happen. That's what the Father predestined. But I believe that Jesus, because the word says clearly, it's the desire that all be saved, to seek and save all who are lost. I think there were moments for all these characters to actually respond to Christ in a personal way. And then this really gets me. The Jewish people, our last group or last character this morning, they were the ones who shout loudest, kill him. And then Pilate came in and said, okay, you've got a choice to make. I can crucify Christ. I can crucify another robber, another sinner. And I said, give us the robber, give us Barnabas. And will you crucify Jesus for us? And the Jews, this is, this is strong. The Jews chose sinful man above Jesus. They chose to welcome sin and say, we reject Jesus Christ. So that's the story of our characters this morning. And go and read it today, John 18 and 19, up until chapter 20, because that's where we'll be on Sunday with resurrection. I'm going to go through those names again. It'll be up on the screen. And as I go through them, I want you to Think about your own life and ask the question, can I relate to any of these characters? Judas, he chose riches over Jesus. The soldiers, they chose earthly masters 
over Jesus. Peter, he chose the fear of man over Jesus. Maybe there are some Peters here today who has denied Christ. You know what I love about Peter's story? There's an opportunity today where Jesus will ask you, do you love me? And today you can once again say, yes, Lord, I love you. The high priests, they chose religious duty over Jesus. Pilate, he chose the social system over Jesus. The pressures of the social world. And the Jews, they chose a guilty sinner over Jesus. I looked at these names and I reflected on it myself and I can connect to so many of these characters. But here's the message of Good Friday. There was another choosing. And again, it's what Jesus chose. I'm going to track us right back to the start. Jesus was in the garden saying, Lord, if it is possible, let the cross be taken away. But I choose whatever I need to do to see you reconciled back to humans. So although there were six characters who chose against him, Jesus chose death and Jesus chose you. That's the seventh character in the story. And I think if I look at these six characters and some of them groups, Jesus chose them too, but they just didn't see it. And now let me quickly move on to the final character in the story. Jesus is on the cross between two sinners. And the one sinner challenges Jesus and mocks him, hanging next to him, and he just says, you are terrible. It's my paraphrase. But then the other sinner on the other side quieted this guy. You can go read in the Gospel of Luke, the end. And then he said this, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus chose all of us. And the eighth character this morning is someone who was hanging next to Jesus and said, Jesus, today I'm choosing you. Whether we feel like Judas today that's denied him and we, we chose other things above him. Whether we feel like the soldiers who choose earthly masters or like Peter that has denied him or like the high priest or like Pilate or like the Jews who says, crucify him. I don't want nothing to do with this Jesus. Let us be reminded of the one who did choose him hanging on the cross. And in a simple moment, not even 20 words like that, that person steps into eternal life with Christ Jesus. You know what I love about this? Jesus didn't tell me now, you first got to do this and go do that and go sort that out and go through this. His heart was saying yes to Christ. And all of heaven was saying yes to you because you chose Jesus today. And all of us are somewhere in this story this morning. 
And the gospel message is this, that Christ lived a life that we couldn't live because of our sinfulness. And he died the death that we should have died, making a way for us back to the Father. And after three days, he was resurrected into life again, going ahead to make a place ready for us in heaven, that when he returns, we will go and be with him for eternity. And in the Father's house, there are many rooms. There's so much space. So how are you going to choose today? Jesus chose you. Are you going to be part of the first six? Or will you for a moment recognize your sin? Recognize your brokenness? Recognize just the strain of the season and how hard it has been to follow him? And simply just say, Jesus, I choose you. And it's impossible for me to try and figure out where everyone is at, but the Holy Spirit knows. And He's speaking to our hearts this morning. So there's a moment to respond now. The moment is now. Don't be Peter that's too afraid of man that you don't respond. Let's close our eyes for a second. If you want to choose Christ Jesus for the first time today, you've never said yes to Him. You might have even been religious in attending church, but you never say, Jesus, I want to give my life to you. If that's you, just put up your hand and take it down. Eyes are closed. Just put it up and take it down. Thank you. Anyone else want to say that? Thank you. Anyone else want to pray that this morning? That's wonderful. And in this morning, if you feel that you can relate to some of these characters that chose against him and chose other things before him, if that is you, can you just stand up for a moment? No fear of man right now. Just stand up and say, I need to return to Jesus today. Make that decision and stand up wherever you are. Thank you. You guys can keep standing. If you've put up your hand just now to say, I want to choose him first or for the first time, please stand with them. There's more people that's got to stand. God is speaking to you. You're holding back. Stand up this morning and say, Jesus, I choose you once more. I'm going to give you one last opportunity. It's great. Keep standing. Wonderful. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray for every heart that's responding today. Lord, if there's more people here, lead them, Lord, that they might stand and acknowledge you today publicly that they once again choose you thank you Christ that then throughout the story right at the beginning in Golgotha Lord or in Gethsemane Lord you said I choose to do this so that people can have relationship with the Father and you saw it through all the way to Golgotha Lord thank you that you hanged on that cross because you chose us Lord, and today as these people stand, may they see how they just reach out to you and say, yes, Jesus, I again, or for the first time, choose you. Thank you, Lord, that in a moment, just a couple of words is enough for you to reach back and say, my promises are available to you today. If you're standing, and I think all of us, let's just pray this. Say, Lord Jesus. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for the cross. Thank you that you did not turn around 
that you chose to do it thinking about me. I choose today, Jesus, to never ever turn my back on you again. I choose today, Jesus, to welcome you fully into my life. Forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for my brokenness. Forgive me for choosing other things above you. I want to be the character in the story who chooses you. Today, Jesus, I choose you. Amen. What we're going to do for the next few moments is there's going to be music playing and we're going to take communion together at our tables. And I want you to not just take communion, but as you eat the bread, And as you drink the juice, do it thinking like, this is me choosing Christ. Again, on the night that Jesus died, he was with his disciples and he took the bread and he broke it. And he says, this is my body that's been broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. He took the blood or the wine and he shared it with them. He says, this wine or juice represents my blood that has been shed for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. So let's remember Jesus for the next few minutes. And as you take communion, even with every bite and with every sip, just say to yourself, pray in your heart, Jesus, I choose you. And then once we're done doing that, we'll just uh, give you an opportunity. We're going to pray for one another around the tables. But I'll give you a moment to have communion first. You can do it as a family. You can do it as an individual But just choose Christ this morning through the communion moment.